Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you from New York, New York, it's the Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Gianni Russo, Patrick Piccarelli, and Megan Horan. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Godfather Podcast. Hollywood Godfather. Hollywood. Oh, yeah, Hollywood Godfather Podcast. <laughs> well, that's your name on my that book, part. right? Yeah, that is, yeah. 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 I, 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 oh, that's a catchy name. We should yeah. use that. Hollywood <laughs> Godfather Podcast. I shan't forget that again, you know. So, where are we? Because I'm a little drunk already. Well, all right. No, you're uh, not. <laughs> last week, we did a... Uh, uh, you, you were recounting stories about your uh, adventures in uh, M- Miami after you got back from your 22 months in exile, uh, oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. we ran out of time. Yes, it was right after the Nixon Spiro Agnew nomination. Oh, right. Yes. They had the party at your club, and uh, that's yeah. where we left it. And how I met my mother-in-law to be mm. 30 years prior. <laughs> All that good stuff. That's crazy. You can't make this stuff up, man. No, no you man, cannot. It's crazy. So, I mean, once that was over, that whole fiasco with Jessica and, and the, the abortion, I, I sold, my, I sold my, my house that I bought for this love nest. I couldn't even go near it. I had somebody sell it and just get rid of everything. Mm-hmm. What, just bad memories? Well, yeah, I just, I really, emotionally, I, you know, I was in shock, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm a kind of person that's very sensitive when something that emotional, ever since my childhood and what I went through in the hospital, I don't take those kind of things very well. So I try not to dwell on them or get, I just get rid of it. I just don't associate to it at all. So I stayed focused on my business, which was amazing, fortunately. And the club was going great. And I started hanging out with Sinatra more. Hmm. Because I- What about, excuse me for interrupting, but. what happened to your partners uh, in the club? My Before part- you closed the club, you, you had two partners. Well, I, didn't, I didn't close the club. I, clo- I sold the house and bought a boat. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So at this point, you haven't closed the club yet. No, no. The club was still going. But I mean, oh, we, okay. could, we could touch on that because chronologically, it's all in a few months of what went on. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Because uh, as I mentioned earlier, when we had the club, where they wanted to have a VIP room was on my back patio mm-hmm. of the club, which was along the causeway. And unbeknownst to me, I get called to come to New York. And he, he very rarely called me at that time, Frank Costello, because he was getting older. Mm. And now it's like 69, you know, 70. And he really was off the surface of those anything. Now, I didn't know, I didn't ask. But he called me, he just wanted to meet me. And when I met him, he was a whole different demeanor. He looked tired and old. And I was hoping he wasn't sick, but only to find out, you know, he died two or three years later from something I don't know. But he said to me, how close are you to Kamai Black and Charlie Alamo? I said, partners. What's that? They're your partners. Yeah, they're my partners in the club. Yeah, so, right. so I said, I'm really not that close. And we, we hang out in the same club. We have a meeting two, two or three times a week. And uh, I wasn't uh, doing the cabana anymore because we were making money different ways, a lot more money. And supposedly, and I found out later, they were making a lot more money different ways. They were selling drugs out of the club. Oh. And fortunately, with 
Costello's connections worldwide, they let him know through his means that I may be dragged into this because of I'm on the license with them. So I said, I know nothing about that trafficking or what they're doing. I'm, and I, I didn't. I really didn't know. Cause oh, I, so I, when he was questioning you about this and he's asking you about your partners, you, I'm assuming you didn't ask him why he wanted to know. No. Yeah, right. No. no. Mm-hmm. And then he yeah. let me know. Oh, oh, he told you. He told me. He said, uh, well, there's rumors that there's goings on down there. And some of the dignitaries, one being a very close friend to all of us, was Don Hickman, who was, believe it or not, the fire chief of Miami, and Maurice Ferre, who I don't know how, well, I shouldn't say I don't know how, Maya Lansky and them, they know everything that's going mm-hmm. on. So he said, okay, well, get back there, say nothing, and the next thing I know, a day or two later, Carmine calls me, so I got to go to New York, they want to see me in New York. Oh, okay. So the attitude uh, with the mob at the time, particularly at that time, was no drugs. Definitely with the Gambinos. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, mm-hmm. as we find out later on, the Genovese and the Bonanno family were already very heavy into it. But the old man, while he was alive, they didn't want any drugs. And mm-hmm. uh, O'Neill Delacroix, that whole crew. Yeah. Then, you know, obviously, we all know it's a part of history. Once John got in and uh, his brothers, in fact, two of his brothers got convicted on it. But this was early on in those stages of 69, 70. They still weren't doing drugs. Okay. So they call Carmine in, and he never come back. They, they threw him off a roof in Harlem. Well, oh. maybe he slipped and fell. Well, maybe. But, yeah, uh, anything uh, possible. But they said he landed yeah. about 20 feet. From off from the building? Yeah, so that's being okay. thrown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he had a Batman suit on. That's a good indication. That's, that's what happened. Yeah, so anyway, that was a warning. Yeah. And then uh, Charlie was a deep uh, sea fisherman. Loved going out. He, I mean, that was his big thing. He'd get up early in the morning and go do that. And he went out and never came back. Hmm. So oh. I, I don't know if he just took his money and left. I still don't know. Yeah. But uh, what made it worse for me... When we created the corporation, because I'm, I'm a pretty good businessman, I had people as mentors, and they were married, and I wasn't. And so when we formed the corporation, if one died, the, his shares would go to the remaining two partners. And if the other partner died, it would go to me. Mm. Well, it happened to be me, because I was the only one surviving. <laughs> and I wasn't going to wait around. Last, last man standing. I wasn't going to wait around for Carmine or Charlie to come back and say, wait a minute, you can't sell it. So we liquidated because of our connections with, with the government down there. I liquidated it and just walked away from it. And uh, I just started partying heavy in, in what I was doing in Vegas, my trips and all of that, and got really close to Sinatra on the beach area because it was so much fun. And that, that was like, you know... A guy who became a legend as a comic was breaking in. His name was Don Rickles. Wow. And Don Rickles was at the Deauville Hotel in their nightclub, not in the main showroom. And Sinatra took such a liking to this guy. We were there almost every night. And every night we'd go there with anybody that was around because the Laurent Room was a, a fabulous showroom in the Fontainebleau Hotel. 
And Frank was doing two shows a night. And as a gift to me and the management, they gave me a table of 10 at every show. But I, you know, I could sell it. I could sell it $100 a ticket and pick up $2,000 or whatever, or even more. Because some nights they were totally sold out. And the, and the guy, the major D, I took care of him. He'd say, see that guy over there? He's got a table of 10. I don't know if he's coming in tonight. <laughs> wow. And I grabbed these guys. And then it came a thing around the pool. You want to go see Sinatra, go see this guy. Wow. So, I mean, that was the easiest gig I had. <laughs> and it was crazy. But what I liked about that time was all that was going on on the beach was like hanging out with Don Rickles and getting to know him. And most people don't know it. He lived at home with his mother. His father was an insurance man. And he, just a typical nice Jewish family. Only son. He was in his mid-40s. And started to break out in this maniac act that he had. Wow. And he had what got Sinatra crazy. He used to call Sinatra the skinny guinea. Oh, the skinny guinea's here. And everybody was like, well, wait a minute, because he had a, a bunch of wannabes every show from either Chicago or California. Not real guys, but wannabes. And then he'd say from stage, we're all going down to see Don Rickles. He packed up set a guy every night. And we'd be in until the sun came up. So there was another comedian who was pretty famous already. His name is Shecky Green. Mm. Now, Shecky heard about Don Rickles calling Sinatra uh, the skinny guinea. So he started calling skinny guinea. So Frank says to me, you know, this guy's got to stop. I said, I, I, you know, I, li I like Shecky. I'm not going to do it. Uh, can my chef stop cooking in the kitchen, please? Um, <laughs> she's banging dishes all over the place. Anyway, can't get good help anymore. But anyway, so... <laughs> Go ahead. So a couple of guys, uh, Jimmy the Crusher and Jerry and all those guys, hung around Frank all the time. That, that, that Jimmy the Crusher? Yeah. What? Uh, wonder what he did. Yeah. Well, he was in a legitimate business, but he wanted a name like that. What? I met more people like that. Jimmy the Crusher. I mean, <laughs> no, but it's crazy. Like in the, fountain, in the Fountain Blue lobby at night, you would think there was 100 years of good behavior. Most, <laughs> most of them were all good guys. Yeah. There was a couple of guys like, you know, uh, I can't mention Demas, all these guys, they're all dead. But there were a couple of real guys. But the rest of them all with their, you know, those five-inch collars and the, playing the game. So they go see Shecky Green. And Shecky Green used this in his act hmm. for years. He always praised Frank Sinatra for saving his life. And the next question would be, how did he save your life? Right. He's well. I was using this saying that he didn't like the skinny guinea, skinny guinea, and I come out of the dressing room one night, and these guys were beating me to death, kicking me, punching me, doing everything, and Frank said, "That's enough." Saved his life. Wow. He saved his life. That's how Frank saved his life. <laughs> it was so nuts. But I mean, you know, the, that's funny. the beach. That, I mean, that's insane. The beach was totally crazy. But I, I hated to see the demise of, you know, Carmine and all of them. So what I do started to do then just slowly withdrew. But as I was ready to withdraw, hmm. Connie Dinkler opened the Runaway Bay Club 
on Biscayne Boulevard. And the Playboy Club happened to be right on 72nd Street and Biscayne Boulevard. Hmm. And my house that I saw was on 72nd Street. So I knew everybody there. And B. Morley's Mousetrap, how do I remember these clubs? Oh my gosh. Was on Biscayne Boulevard. So I started playing backgammon heavily. I loved the game for years. And Connie Dinkler had like the who's who living in her place. It was called the Runaway Bay Club. It was in the intercoastal. And we're playing games that are ridiculous. And there was a kid that we all know, because of any mother that sewed, had a sewing machine. And his name was Davy Singer. His family was Singer Sewing Machine. And his family called the club upstairs, the backgammon club, and said the family's no longer honoring any of his checks to anybody. I- I'm serious about that. Can we tell her to stop that? Do you want me to go talk to her? Please. Okay, I'll be right back. <laughs> we have a, a guest chef continue, tonight. Continue your story. We have a guest <laughs> chef in the house who's banging dishes and pots all over the place. She'll never work here again. Anyway, <laughs> with that said, now I get into a game with this kid, Davey Singer. And you're not going to believe this. I play him. With, you know, I don't know if you know about about backgammon. I don't know. Well, it's, it's, it's you know, you've got chips and a cube. Oh, yeah, I, I know the principle. Yeah, well, but the, 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 the dice keeps multiplying. If you take the dice and challenge, I keep multiplying. And it could go up to 64. So if we started for a dollar, it would be 64 to one. And that's to each pip that's left on the table. That's the round part of it. So I, I gammon this kid. So it's 64 times the 30 pips. And we were playing for good money. The kid starts sweating. He gets up a minute, he's, can I take a break? I said, yeah, go take your break. He jumped off the balcony of the club, which happened to be on the 15th floor. What? I felt so, yeah, look it up, Davy Singer. The air is so uh, Why was he upset? Because he had no more money, he knew he was cut off, and he was addicted to this game. Oh my gosh. Well, talk yeah. about a spur of the moment decision. Yeah, what? No kidding. And one of the famous thieves of all time, made a history of climbing this place, Murph the Surf. Murph the Surf. You know His a little history on this guy. Yeah, Murph the Surf, uh, he stole a star of India out of the Museum of Natural History. I forget what year that was. It was in the 60s. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah, but you know, you got to ask yourself, you said the biggest jewel heist of all time, but you have the star of India. What do you do with it? Yeah, I what? mean, you can't I mean, take it to a fence. They can't break it up. They can't sell it. Yeah, right. No, I mean... I, I, I was never able to figure that out. That's crazy. Well, he came to... I got to know the guy, and he knew I knew everybody on, on 47th Street, which I still do. I still do a lot of dealings there just for myself. But like you pointed out, nobody was going to touch that. <laughs> of course I mean, not. He was out of no. his mind. And I don't. I really don't know whatever happens to him. But he was... I mean, this guy was a true cat, cat burglar. He, he would, didn't do a lot of time, did he, for that? No. He actually climbs buildings outside. So he scales the buildings. Yeah. He and, was, he was yeah, like Johnny said, a true, a true cat burglar. I think 
he he took the uh, Star of India just to see if he can do it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, mean, this was just that kind of guy. He's that kind. A uh, highly priced, uh, iconic jewel. I mean, uh, under heavy security inside the museum when it's closed, no less. Yeah. He breached all that security, and That's he was insane. with a guy. It was. It just wasn't him. Yeah, yeah, he had a partner for the longest time, but yeah, I, I don't know whatever happened to any of them, you know, because uh, because he, he was so known, and he loved those challenges, and I agree with you, Pat. He did that, I mean, when he, after the star of, of India, that was the challenge. If he can do this, it would put him on the map, and it did. Oh, he was it, famous, yeah, was uh, famous. That, that ended his career, I, <laughs> I, would, I would think. Oh, yeah, but you know, uh, but even on the beach, because now... You had the uh, Eden Rock always had a showroom. The Fombro had a showroom. And I can remember going downstairs where I met Poopy Campo for the first time in my life. <laughs> Wait, what was Poopy that name? Poopy Campo. What? He's, that was a person's name. Yeah, he was one of the best Latin bands in the world. They had a club down, uh, down Poopy. there called the Boom Boom Room. And I was there. I, I think I, you're Poopy, making all this up. Poopy so, ran the Boom Boom Room. There's no way. Okay. The poopy man. I'm telling you, that's that's a Cuban name, poopy. Poopy. You know, had I have, had I have known that name existed, I, I would have named one of my sons. Poopy. I wish that you had. Yeah. No, I mean, poopy poopy had gotten if he yeah. had gotten his white coat. Ring to it, right? And what 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 would his nickname be? Uh, just, <laughs> poop. Poop. just poop. Just <laughs> poop. <laughs> well, maybe just. How old are we? <laughs> I know. It's I'm telling you, I'm old. I'm old. No, yeah. no, but it was. You know what's so funny about that? They opened a Latin dance floor, a dance club at Caesar's Palace years later. And his name is on the marquee, Poopy Campo. We were still there. Must have been 80. But Macheco, all those guys, uh, Tito Puente, all those guys played. Well, I mean, they were the best. But, I mean, Miami went through a phase that I couldn't believe every. In fact, I, I remember one day, these names I could drop right now because they're all dead. It was a New Year's Eve. And I'm, we had all the girls from uh, the uh, con, uh, the Runaway Bay Club. And not the Runaway Bay. The, uh, there was another show. Oh, um, what's her name? I'll think of it. It was named after a lady. And she had all these girls dressed like bunnies right down the block. And they were off. And Monkeys, Monkeys. Remember that group? Yeah. No. yeah. Yeah, the Monkeys. The Monkeys. Right. They were at the Deauville Hotel. So we're with these cocktail waitresses, and they said, oh, we'll go, can you get us into, I said, yeah, we'll go with you. And who was with me is Robert Pate and Johnny Pate. These guys were made guys mm. in New York. Anybody came from New York, they wanted to hang out with me. They knew I'd get them in any club and do it. Not that they couldn't themselves, but we had more fun. Right. So now we're sitting ringside, and here comes these guys on stage. And they had a tendency getting off the stage and walking around. So the guy got close, and I grabbed the guy and said, listen, can you sign an autograph for how a, a kid really loves you? He said, leave me alone. I said, excuse me? I said, I'm talking very nice to you, son. And this, the whole room, showroom was you know, full. Yeah. The guy threw a punch at me. Are you kidding? The headlines... Oh, it was New Year's Eve. So Ed, you can look this up. This was New Year's Eve, I think 1968 or 69. Mm -hmm. We, there was a whole mass riot. We, there was 
punches thrown, everybody. So we got on stage and fortunately got out. Robert Pate was the only one to get caught. He was running the beach. They got him. He wasn't going to give us anybody up. So we read in the newspaper, and we're seeing it on television, that there was a riot and everybody got out. Whoa. And I even knew the major dean could say whose table it was. Yeah. So and now Robert gets out a day or two later. What could they say? They had no real nobody. Nobody was answering any questions. So we laughed about that. We come back. This is crazy. There's times we're down there mm -hmm. because uh, there was a the Janina Hotel was on the foot of the 79th Street Causeway and Collins Avenue. That was a total mob place. I mean, people that were wanted hung out there because they, they, nobody was going to give them up. But that's when the beach did the transition. I think it was like the, the 70s or 80s, remember? That Miami yes, I used to go down there. Yeah, went down. And that's when then you know, South Beach came along later on. Mm -hmm. And I remember when we were doing any given Sunday, we filmed any given Sunday down there, and Pacino and I are, are riding down Ocean Drive, and it was bumper-to-bumper traffic. And we're saying, like, who is here? What, what happened here? Because, you know, we, I left for like 15, 20 years when we did any given Sunday. Mm -hmm. And they said to us, the driver says, oh, Ricky Martin's here. And we said, who's Ricky Martin? And he showed us the cover of Time Magazine. Yeah. And we didn't know who the guy was. He just opened a hotel there. But he caused so much chaos. And that's when everything went to South Beach and that was the end of it. And we left. Huh. And Because we opened the Forge with uh, Al Malnick. Was, that's going to be 50 years old next year. Oh, wow. And... That, that place was like the place to be. And when Regime closed the year in New York, he hired to run his nightclub. But that's when the South Beach was a legend and Miami was a legend. And then I went to uh, a quiet town called Vegas and started <laughs> opening my own clubs. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the stories uh, in, in the book, which I think the audience would like you to hear, uh, to, to recount, was the bar mitzvah story. Oh my God. Oh yes. Well, I get a call from that guy. Johnny. Mm, he's, <laughs> back. Again. He's, he's back. back. Maya's back. He Maya, said, Johnny. Maya Lansky's back. Yeah, Maya Lansky calls me in, in the Fountain Blue Hotel. And he says, Johnny, where's Frank? I said, isn't he there? Oh, hold it. No, I'm going to tell you. I'm, I'm going to get to it. He okay. said, I said, isn't he there? He said, would he be here if I was calling you? And what he was talking about, he was at Al Malnick's son's bar mitzvah, Mark, and Frank was supposed to go. I was going over there the next hour or two, but, you know, I was in a family man and all that. So now I go up to the double doors at the Fountain Blue Hotel, and that's when he's married to Mia Farrow. And he's, wear and he's peering there, obviously, and he's wearing tie-dye. She's got him looking like... Some idiot. Oh my. With a scarf around his neck. He went through this whole era. So I knock on the door and the guard says outside, no, I think they're sleeping. So I bang on the door and it's me, his little stupid voice. And she says, Frank's not coming. I said, excuse me, this is Johnny Russo. I have to talk to Frank. He's not coming. And I could see she's right near the door. You could hear her. Yeah. It's a double stupid hotel door. Right. So I backed up about five feet and hit the center with my shoulder. And sure enough, 
She was behind the door. She goes flying on the living room rug. <laughs> Frank comes out. He's got a terrible throw on. He says, what the hell's going on here? I said, Frank, Maya just called me. You're supposed to be at Al's a half hour ago. He said, that was canceled. I said, not canceled. And he looked at her. Oh. And he she said, does. are you kidding me? He said, I'll be right out. He runs in. Thank God he was going somewhere. Right. He changed into decent clothes. <laughs> I didn't want to walk in with him looking like, you know, uh, he looked like, uh, uh, what was her name? Uh, in Saturday Night Fever. No, yeah, Saturday Night Fever. The girlfriend to John Travolta. Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I don't know. She, yeah, she had cancer so many times. You all know her. Mm, anyway, wow. that, he looked like her. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever she is, he looked like yeah. her. So anyway, we walk into the party. I walk in with them. I drive them over there. Because it's right. They were living on the uh, inner coastal at Royal Palm Drive. Don't ask me how I know that. What in the and world? We, and we walk in and, not, you know, Sinatra, it was like Johnny Fontaine walking in on my wedding in the Godfather. Yeah. Because that's who he was playing. Yes. And, and, and uh, there's Maya. I go over to Maya and he pats me on the leg like he always did. Good boy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, I forgot about that story. That's a classic story for. for so yeah. she told him that it married? was canceled. They were not married long. It's funny because where I live here, on the street that you all know I live on, yeah. four doors up, he bought her that brownstone. They lived there while they were married because she wouldn't let him go to the Seventy Second Street apartment anymore. Oh, really? Well, that's where he had the affair with Ava Gardner. Okay. That's where he tried to kill himself. Sinatra was so distraught over Ava Gardner. He, fortunately, a guy called James Woods, not the actor, he was an agent at William Morris, had an apartment in that building, and Frank had the keys. He used to go crash there all the time. Uh -huh. And he was his agent when he was at William Morris. Okay. And the old lady neighbor smelt gas. And she said, you better call the building. There's gas smell coming out of your house. They come up with a pass key, open it up. Frank Sinatra's head was in the oven. He was trying to kill himself. What? This is a classic story. We should share this one. That's when he lost his voice. Because he damaged his vocal cords. How long did that last? Wait, what? I'll tell you how long it lasted. He was so down and out, and that's, when you, he, that's what was the biggest problem when they tried to portray that the mob got him the part in Here to Eternity. Ava Gardner went to the studio head. I don't want to give the guy's name. Okay. Up, the major guy. And she says, you've been trying to screw me for years. I want you to give Frank Sinatra the part of Maggio, and I'll go to Acapulco with you for the weekend, and you could have your way with me. No way. And that killed right. Frank even more later on when he found out how he got the part. Oh, my god! And he won an Oscar. But she felt she owed it to him. But Ava loved loved life, loved partying, guys, girls, whatever. That's, but he knew that. And, but he fell deeply in love and didn't want to share her anymore. But that, that's the true story. Wow, that's a And crazy that's the story. true story why he was so mad at Mario Buzo for writing it that way. He never went to the mob. Okay. Not that he would want Ava Gardner to be part, part of, of it. Movie. Right. And that's well, what, how long was he out of commission with his voice? About a year or two. Wow. That I, must have hurt. And I knew one of the great, yeah, not only did it hurt, that's when he was down and out. Right. And so, so it's this, just as this bad. movie, 
resurrected yeah, revived his, his career. Revived his career. Huh. I don't know. Did I ever share the story on the radio of when Frank called me when he heard I got the part of The Godfather? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, anyway, it's a short story. But I think it's interesting. He called me when he found out I had the part. And I already had a party at Patsy's on 56th Street in right. New York. And he called me, and Dorothy called and said, the old man wants to talk to you. That's how she, you always addressed him. They did, the old man. So he gets on the phone. He said, Johnny, you're a friend of mine. I said, of course I'm a friend, Frank. He said, I want you to do me a favor. I said, okay, what is it? He said, well, they asked Vic Damone to play Johnny Fontaine. I told him not to do it. Anybody that they're asking them, my friends, are not going to be in that movie called The Godfather. I said, okay. He said, I heard you're going to be in The Godfather. I said, yeah. He said, as a favor to me, I'd rather you don't do it. And he caught me off guard. I said, okay, Frank, I won't do it. Then I hung up and I'm saying to myself, well, am I crazy? Yes. <laughs> Imagine, this <laughs> exactly. is the, <laughs> Yes, you are. But this is the question that, that somebody in the fan mail asked last week uh -huh. about the Godfather changing my life. Right. So I waited a day or two. And I called Frank. I said, Dorothy, can I talk to the old man? He gets on the phone. I reversed the same thing he said. I said, Frank, you're a friend of mine. He said, of course I'm a friend of yours. I said, can I ask you a question? If I asked you not to do here to eternity, would you have done it? And he hung up on me and didn't talk to me for two years. Oh my <laughs> gosh. But that's oh my. my life. That is your life. My life. It's a wild one at that. Well, I think we should wrap this up and go to the mailbag. You think so? There what, you go. What do you All think? All right, let's do is it. Is there anything else you want me to touch on? We've Back. tired out Miami. No, no, no. I, th I, th I think we've uh, exhausted the yeah, well, this time in Miami. Yeah, that's for sure. We're done. We're done. Yeah. All okay. right. Well, then Mail. let's get to some questions. So first, this was one just signed from your friends, your fans from San Diego, Gianni. Oh, I love these people. I know <laughs> no, I get them. You know, I tell you right now, I don't know who these people are. I really? never met them. They send me pictures of their two little girls. Uh, they've been following me. I mean, avid fans. They listen to every show. Really? And they, they refer to themselves as Just who? your your Friends fans from San Diego. Yeah, well, yeah they're high-profile people. They don't want their oh, name okay. thrown around. But I'm, I can't believe that they're writing me. Now they're, That's so they're nice. contacting me in the emails. That's great. Well, we can say what they said. They said, congratulations on the show. My wife and I are big fans of your work. I recall you mentioned that you met with ex-presidents. How was your experience meeting Saddam Hussein? I bet that was an interesting one. Would enjoy to hear you elaborate on any meetings with past presidents and leaders. Well, that's another whole show. I mean, maybe three shows. But I'll, I'll direct my question to Saddam Hussein. Uh, how I met Saddam Hussein, and, and I want the world to know I didn't know where, what he was going to do. I was with Adnan Khashoggi and a guy who is a friend of mine yet, and he's still alive, Bob Shaheen. And they were arms dealers for people who didn't know that. And when I had my club at State Street, I actually threw, or they paid me to throw, uh, Adnan Khashoggi's 50th birthday party at State Street, which I did. Mm -hmm. And with that said, we had, inter we had made a lot of deals offshore. In fact, I remember selling a submarine in Switzerland, and we transferred the money, because that's what Nick Nitty and I did for a while. But that, I met Saddam Hussein early on, and which was interesting when I went to the palace. When I go in there, and this happened to me, it happened to me with um, Roger King of King World, it happened to me with Pablo Escobar. I can go down the line with major people. He presses a button and the TV comes up out of his desk and it's cued 
to my part with Michael. He was the biggest fan of The Godfather. What? Yeah, I mean. You, you can't get away from this. Man. No, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. It saved That's my crazy. life. It's made introductions all around the world. You know, it's it's crazy that this thing is gone and, and keeps going, fortunately. It really does. Yeah, I understand his last words when they, uh, when they hung him was, Tell Gianni I said goodbye. <laughs> is, is that true? Did they hunt me? Did they hunt Saddam Hussein? I don't yeah. remember. I thought they shot him. No, they hung him. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, on that Moving note. On that note, <laughs> I, I was kind of hung myself, you know. Yeah, I heard that. Going through the car. No, yeah. no, you're going to the wrong place. <laughs> okay. That was the wrong, wrong direction with I, that I, one. I, I'm, I'm talking about show. my neck <laughs> going through a windshield. Okay. I was hung by a, a wire. He's talking about his neck. Oh, <laughs> Just I to see. be clear. Not Got my it? anatomy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, now moving on. It's a family on. show, you know. <laughs> okay, now moving on. Dennis asks for both Johnny and Patrick. He says, obviously, you are almost 30 episodes into your podcast, and it can be understood that you're having a great time doing it. How and when did you first come up with the idea to do a podcast? It was actually Pat's idea. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 we were uh, having a couple of cocktails over the phone one night, <laughs> uh, as, as we sometimes do. That's and uh, what we're going to talk about now, and I said, hey, let's do a podcast. He said, what? And that's how it started, you know. Really? It, 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 the ins and outs. Well, I'm, and, a, I'm uh, a dinosaur with so all this technology, and he enlightened yeah. me what we could do with it. And now, as we all know, the, the, the audience don't know, we're getting requests now to sell it to a radio station that wants, we're going to see what they do. Yeah, we're waiting to close our deal on this other deal is a little bit bigger, I right? A <laughs> little bit, a little bit. Yeah, so but what? it was just a, you know, I I subscribe to a lot of podcasts. I mean, uh, working out in the gym or taking, you know, we're driving around. You know, I got tired of listening to Howard Stern. I was going to shoot my radio out of the car after a while. I said, let me <laughs> see what else is around. Podcasts, all kinds of subjects. There's thousands of them. I said, hey, we can do this. And we did. Well, I'm glad you did, because then I came yeah. on the scene. So. That's there right. That's yeah. right. We're having an anniversary, New Year's Eve. Yes, hey. that is true. Yeah, that's a- great. Any excuse. No. Yeah. But, yeah, that's uh, true. But, you know, it's interesting to me that um, that they would ask that. Um, we would like to hear more about how many people are really enjoying the podcast mm-hmm. and sharing it. That's the greatest gift you can give us, yeah. is share yeah, it. And we're glad that, you know, you're counting, obviously. We know we did the 30th. He's, he's counting. Yep, we're close to 30. Yeah, I didn't even know where we were. Yeah, yeah we're, we're close to 30 up on iTunes. It's just crazy. Excellent. All right, so next one. This is a question for me. Oh, I love Switching it. Switching it up. This is from Gina. Watch your phone number and measurements. <laughs> no, this is from Gina. Oh, Tina. Gina. Gina, Gina okay. Yes. Gina says, you've clearly, quote, unquote, made it now that you're working closely with Gianni. Aside from Gianni, what celebrities have you met that you consider to be special encounters? She's got a whole me. roster. I have. That would be me, right? <laughs> Obviously. No, oh, but you, you, but Obviously, she's yeah. always ringside at concerts. That is true, but that's different than, you know, having an actual interaction with, I do go to a lot of concerts. I know. <laughs> so so who, with my who, dad. who have you met? So I've met, I mean, I've done meet and greets you know, paid meet and greets with celebrities. But I feel like that's, you know, less special than yeah. like an authentic oh, yeah. meeting. Sure. So, um, but you were on the set of the, exactly the show. I, I visited the set of law and order SVU tying in from the last episode again. Right. I used to visit the set and just kind of hang out and watch. Cause I made friends with one of the, um, one of the crew members. 
So I would say my most special meeting with a celebrity was Mariska Hargitay because yes. she's oh. my favorite of all time. And it was and she, brief. And but she I probably think likes that you pronounce the name right. <laughs> I, I understand Maybe she'll hear it. I understand she's a a, a genuine person. She's oh, she, she absolutely is. is. That she is. I tell you that. I've been in a company numerous times at a club. I I would not mention again in my life. I was a member there forever. Back Sinatra walked me in there, 1973. Mm. But anyway, then I met her a lot. She used to come to Elaine's. Everybody came to Elaine's. Everybody came well, to Elaine's. Well, can we all hang out sometime? They closed it. Well, she passed they, away. She passed away and closed it. Yeah. Elaine, Elaine Kaufman. Elaine Kaufman. She had a place called Elaine's. Mm. It was amazing. Did I ever wow. tell you about my experience with Faye Dunaway at Elaine's? No. No. Yeah, I can tell this. Even, you know, it's a family Please. show. It's a family Please. story. I wasn't in Elaine's. I was a patrol officer in a radio car uh, in the 23 Precinct where Elaine's was uh, located. Elaine's was on the fringe of a bad neighborhood, but it was on the Upper East Side. Right. Uh, anyway, we get a radio run, you know, call, regular call for service. A drunk woman sprawled out on the street in front of Elaine's. That's, so, a, that's a every night occasion. It was, it was yeah, normal. That was yeah, a regular thing. Anyway, uh, we go up there, and who was it? But Faye Dunaway. She was loaded. No way. She was sitting on a sidewalk. Not a very nice person. Oh, no. Really? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, we offered to take her home because a crowd started to gather. And this was, you know, when she was uh, at the peak of her career uh, after Bonnie and Clyde. And, uh, so we offered to take her home. She lived in the area. I forget exactly where it was. But, uh, you know, we're doing her a favor. And she's very belligerent. Uh, not a nice person. I wasn't, I wasn't impressed. But anyway, that, 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 was, that was in Elaine's quite a few times. But hmm. uh, there, there was everybody, you know, I don't know what why people gravitated to this place other than the fact that uh, Elaine was a character. Well, I'll tell you, know? you why. Early on, Elaine supported so many great writers. Mm. Yeah, it was a writer's they place. They could it run, run yeah. old checks. Okay. She took house accounts. And yeah. she, she didn't need the money. She needed a place to hang out. I mean, she wasn't a pretty play person at all. I mean, but she was like your old aunt. Mm. You could mm -hmm. sit with her. And she had four well, tables in the front, always kept them for celebrities. And her table was one of the four. Anything in front, you couldn't sit there unless you were a and, celebrity. And, and it was all about being seen because the food was mediocre. There was nothing oh, to yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Was, you know, That's yeah. so interesting. I'll tell you a classic story that I have about Elaine because uh, one of my closest friends, uh, I, I can't mention him because he's back in doing time again. And so, <laughs> again. Got so, it. So, so we go, I, she wants to have a party. And they, they're, going to, they're going to have a party in a place. He's but I want to have it in a nice place. I said, okay, how about we do it in Elaine's? He's really, because everybody knew Elaine's. Wow. But I knew Elaine at one o'clock at night, nobody's there. Because even Dick Wolf, his, his, his photographer, and these go, they get up early on the set. Right. I mean, writers and show people all went there. All went there. Mm -hmm. So now at one o'clock, I tell Elaine, I want the back room. She said, how many people? I said, 60 people. She said, how much I had? I said, $100 I had. Really? I said, yeah. Is it cash? I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> so we give it to her. Because that mean not nuts because the guy who was coming, we all love him. Mm -hmm. Pat, you're going to love this. The guy's gone for a long time. So now the lady who is the staff photographer for that show is still there. And she's still the same girl. She she repeat the story a hundred times. Wow. So now 
everybody comes in, different crews, everybody's there, hugs and kisses and all this. You would think we were a bunch of gay guys. <laughs> and so we're all sitting down, and the lady, I thought it would be nice. I said, do me a favor, take some pictures and give me the, give me the film. Yeah. She's, uh, 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 I, I can't do that. I said, what do you mean? She said, you want me to take pictures, I'll take some pictures. So now she comes and takes all the pictures. So now this guy says to me, tell that girl to get over here. So I don't know what he's going to do. He looks like you're going to kill her. He says, give me the film in that car, camera. He says, he said the same thing. So give me the film. He says, I don't know where you've been, but there's no more filming cameras. Uh, <laughs> oh, you've my been. gosh. <laughs> yeah, he's That's funny. <laughs> give me that film. He didn't believe her. That is hysterical. And people said, hey, Joe, calm down. There was no film in that camera. Oh, my gosh. So he made the, somebody that knew erase all the pictures. <laughs> but anyway. That's, oh, that's classic. That's a classic Elaine yeah. story. Um, Another mailbag. <laughs> so just a little continuation of my, my answer for the oh. last question. Um, so yeah, Mariska Hargitay, obviously, I, that was, I think, when I was the most starstruck. Because I, I feel like question. I don't. I forgot this question was Yeah, we you. really went on a tangent so with that one. But that one <laughs> it's okay. Um, but another cool interaction that I had was I got to have dinner with Paul Stanley from Kiss. So it's different than oh, my yeah. other one. But the fact that I could did actually it, sit down his, and have dinner with him. Care? Well, it wasn't just me. <laughs> oh, well, you got to tell the audience you know, it was that. Me. Okay, so because the audience knows he's married. Because he's, I don't even know him, and I know he's married. <laughs> he is married, but he—he's an artist. So if you spent a certain amount of money worth it on his paintings, you got to have dinner with him. So um, it was my dad, myself, and just two other adult couples. My man Dan. Yeah, good he's guy. got deep pockets, Dan. <laughs> oh my gosh! So I sat next to. Paul. So it was just cool. It was a cool interaction, oh, no, you know, a long, yeah. a long time. And I'm not the biggest Kiss fan in the world, so it was very casual for me, kind of. But it was still, it was still very cool to have that interaction with him. So, yeah, those are probably the the top two. Did I ever tell you my dinner that I arranged for Marlon Brando to go to? No. Pat, did you ever hear the story? With oh, with John Kluge wanted to invite. Oh, you're talking about the twenty-five grand? Yeah. When, no, what is that? Oh, this is a classic. Marlon Brando was in, in New York doing The Godfather with us. Mm -hmm. John Kluge is one of the richest men in the world. He lives in the Waldorf Tower penthouse. He owns Foster and Clydesdale. He owns everything. Mm -hmm. well, he owns a big media billboard sign. So he says to me, Johnny, you, I heard you're close to Brando. I said, yeah. He said, I have people coming from Europe. We're having a dinner party, maybe 15 people. I'd like to have him go. I said, well, he's not going to come to dinner. You've got to offer him so much money. He said, how much, what do you take? I said, let me try 15,000. It didn't mean nothing. He said, you'll come? I said, for money, I think you'll come. And it's right around the corner, because mm -hmm. he's living in the Elis I Hotel, and the, it's right, you know, two, three, four, four blocks from Park Avenue and Waldo. So I call him, I go see him. He said, what is it? I said, the guy wants you to have dinner. I said, I don't want to have dinner with nobody. I said, I'll give you 15,000. He's 15. Yeah. What time do I have to be there? No, no, yeah, right. no. It, was, it, it gets better. Yeah. So he says, uh, who is it? I, I can understand he wants to know who. I said, this guy. He says, tell him 25000 Oh, my God. I said, why? He says, the guy's a billionaire. <laughs> He's so smart. Wow. So now it comes tonight for the dinner. 
I got the money. I got. I gave him half because I didn't want him to show, not show. Mm-hmm. I said, "Here's half." He said, "What do you want? My agent now?" I said, "No, but the guys. I, I can understand it. What if you don't go?" Yeah. So now it's about a half hour. I'm waiting for him downstairs. He says, "Call and see if I can bring a guest." <laughs> now you want me to call him? He says, "Tell him or I'll give him the money back then." So I called John. I said, John, he wants to bring a guest. Let's give you the money back. He said, all right, who cares? We'll make room for the table. So now I'm waiting. Here he comes. He's got a big German shepherd with him. What? A German shepherd. I said, where's your guest? Here's my guest. Here's my guest. Because <laughs> that's how a nuts large he is. dog. That's how nuts he is. So now we go, and we walk in, and everybody's waiting for Marlon Brando and his guest. It's the dog. Nobody in that whole room treated that dog any different than a human being would be. Wow. I couldn't believe this. He's sitting at the table. No way. He's licking off the dish. Because I, I, I've seen a lot of people bend over for stars. That, and I've seen that even. But I mean. Uh, oh my God. It went over your head. Anyway. That uh, did not go over my head. He came with a dog. And they fed the dog everything we ate. The dog ate off the plate. He's cutting the meat for the dog. That's incredible. And, uh, I mean, it's craziness. I love that. <laughs> it's, it, I know, it's a great. How long did he have to stay? No, he stayed an hour because then he started talking to people that were very interested. I mean, John don't have boring people there. Yeah. Mm. But anyway. All well, right. Well, I think this is a good, good place to stop with one more. Okay. So Daniel asks for Pat. What kind of progress is being made on the rumored second book with G- with Gianni? Well, at this point, uh, we're still in talks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, Johnny and I talked about this. We're going to hold out till we, this other deal comes through. Right. Because when it does, our book price goes up. Yeah, huge. Oh. Right, my friend. Oh no! I mean, this is smart business. I mean, we're holding up are. like three three major deals. Which the good news, when we we will be very happy. In fact, we were going to share it first on our podcast. How's that? I think that's a good idea. What, yeah, we're, we, we, we're we have ideas, we have topics, we have subjects. You have to strike uh, when the time is right. Yes. No, absolutely. but what I'm saying as far as the, the deal we're, the deal that we're, that we're working about on to now. make, yeah. I'm going to tell them when we made it and who with yeah, and we'll what tell it, it is. Here. We'll tell it here what first. It yeah, so for people, your loyalty, we're going to give you a news bulletin. And it is a news bulletin. That is true. Yeah, they're gonna you're gonna hear about it first. Then it'll be in the papers. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, you heard it here first. Here we yep. are, signing off for another marvelous night. You know, <laughs> and keep marvelous. those cards and letters coming. <laughs> and good night, Megan. Yes. Good night. Good Pat. night. Another good okay, night. Good night, everybody. Another good See night. See you Wednesday. Good night. Bye bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. My name is Megan Horan. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. 
We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night.